And this is Bleed TV. I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. And this is our inaugural episode of Season 5 Game of Thrones. Okay, and first things first, we want to thank everybody for clicking on this episode and giving us a chance. We're going to start with the preview cast for Season 5, where we'll look back on where Season 4 left us, where all the characters are, and kind of where their future is, and where we expect them to be headed in Season 5. He just said beheaded. Yeah, yeah, very fitting. Um, Just to give you a quick rundown of our knowledge of the show... I have read the books, but am an extreme fan of the adaptation HBO has been able to deliver. Uh, I'm not a book reader, but I freaking love this show. I love the way the thing is going, the way it bounces back from characters to characters and different stories and locations. And my brother just constantly teases me about where he knows where things are going and loves to look at my reaction or my predictions and make jokes and other things towards me. But, uh, I mean, wow. I mean, what a, what a show, what books. I, mean, I hope to read one day, but I, I'm kind of ruined. Um, but I think we're going to move forward and talk about things that happened last season, really kind of go into depth with a lot of different things and see where each character was left, why they're there, and what I'm predicting. And, of course, like I said, my brother will squirm you know, about how he probably knows everything and I don't. And you, you the listener, who is a reader, will probably get to get an enjoyment out of it as well. At least I hope you do. Um, but we're going to break it down one by one. My brother's going to go down each part and we're going to work through them and we're going to talk about them and uh looking forward to having some feedback down the road on these things and uh take brother take care all right but let's start with uh Tyrion, and he leaves yeah. us right after shooting good old dad on the shitter with a couple bolts <laughs> and various you know locks him in a box throws him on a boat and actually, both of them sail off. Now, to remind me, Darius is that uh, ball-headed priest. Uh, Not a know, priest. Nutless, or what is it? He's a eunuch, master of whispers. Master of whispers, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to have to do a lot of reminding here on some of these things. Uh, yeah, go with a face, terrible with a name. Well, since I listen to the audiobooks, I'm very good at the pronunciation at this point. <laughs> yeah. You just lost a little bit of fan base. You said you did audiobooks. But okay, we're going to move forward anyway. All right. Also in King's Landing, we have Jamie. He's kind of just got done getting manipulated by Cersei several times, but he's also released Tyrion from his jail cell, unaware that he was going to go kill Tywin, but... You know, kind of on a redemptive yeah. arc. You you say manipulated. I say that um, he rapes his sister. So, I mean, there is a control issue here. There is a uh, who's got the power. But uh, I guess you could say she's the master manipulator. But uh, she was getting it taken to her pretty good. Yeah, I don't want to get into it. Too much. There was plenty of controversy about the rape scene on Joffrey's cold dead body. But then the second <laughs> time, you know, where he knocks the book off the table and, and and puts it on her that was a little more of her manipulating him i agree i agree she's she's using whatever she's got to get what she needs there's no doubt well like i said let's go back to old dad on the crapper there taking if correct me wrong was it three bolts to the body or was it two i can't remember i don't remember it was at least two 
We're talking about forty-five caliber bolts. I mean, we're talking the real deal. And Charles Dance is a man because the man stood there, took him, no blood coming out of the mouth, still talking to him like that. Kudos to him. Not so much uh, sure how I would react if I've got forty-five caliber bolts stuck in my chest while I'm on the crapper. Not what you want to be considered when you are the head Lannister and. Somebody finds your worthless corpse, you know, half dressed, you know, stinking, and you got those things. I mean, it's not the way you want to go out. Well, most dead bodies, you know, even after you've evacuated your bowels, and <laughs> you're going to smell anyway, but just throw in the porta potty, and uh, you got a real recipe for funk. Insult, injury. And not only that, when they sing your song and don't like that, you're killed by your imp. Son, not not a warrior and battle or anything like that. You're on the crapper, and you get shot, and you die on the crapper, and you're supposed to be the the bad boy Lannister at the head of the table, and uh, there's your legacy. Very Elvis esque <laughs> death. <laughs> yeah, there you go, there you go. Well, speaking of which, that will kind of throw. Cersei was kind of thrown in there. That's that's where she is as well. Kind of looking at the, where the mountain is and whether or not you know Kyburn can bring him back or not. Um, but then we'll move on to well, Arya. You know, you got, well, staying on Cersei now, you have to think about her situation. All right, she's manipulated everything, but she's lost her son. Her other young son has just become the king. Now she's going to find her dad dead on the crapper or the other situation. The, you know, um, Prince Oberyn, you know, he's toast and her, her big mountain there took care of business. But the fact of the matter is she has to know that his family has control of her other child. And so you got to imagine the world's crippling around her. It's going to be real interesting to see what's going to happen with her coming up considering most of her power unit and all her family has either gone betrayed her manipulating or raped her i mean there you go yeah she's in a tough spot but when she finds tywin is down i can easily see her manipulating her son in the same way to kind of control the situation like tywin was yeah, I don't see Cersei going down without a fight. I think she's definitely going to be able to take care of her business, but I think she's running out of people to manipulate. Not and to mention she's got she got another master manipulator in Marjorie right there yeah, at her heels. Uh, you know, already has Tommen's good side. That's you true. know, uh, I go with that. So you say Tywin, not Tywin. What's the what's the imp's name again? Tyrion. Tyrion. You know, so he's on the boat in a crate with Mister Eunuch. You know, nutless himself, uh, and they're on the boat. And where's that boat going? Well, they don't really tell you. That's kind of the secret heading into season five. Okay, I didn't know if they kind of divulged on that because I, you know, I'm missing some of the finer details. You know, but. That, uh, of course, the important thing is is the forty five caliber bolts to the chest and those things. Cause stuff I, I thrive on. Right, I see what you remember. But let's move out of King's Landing and let's move a little more to the north. We have Arya. Now, Arya just left the Hound to die slowly. Oh, yeah, um, man. How about that fibula sticking out of the thigh? Oh, Love brutal. It. Love you. Brand, and honestly, get you some. Yeah. Uh, honestly... The Hound is probably my favorite character. Now, I know he's brutal and he's had a terrible go, 
but I think he's one of the more tragic characters that I really followed, and I thought he was played awesome on screen. No doubt. That, uh, that guy took care of business. I think Roy McCann. Like, no. What's his name again? Roy McCann. Yeah, yeah. there's no doubt. I'm going to be really, really sad not to have him around because I think he was pivotal. I mean, you realize, like, every part of that show – uh, if it was anything that was a key scene or a change of direction or a change of power, he was somewhere in the mix. Somehow, somewhere, even if it was a small part or a major part, I mean, even down to the part where he's, you know, he's defending King's Landing from Baratheon. Or he's there when they first meet and he kills the butcher's kid. I mean, and he's out there with Stark, you know, carrying her around and keeping her safe. He was outside I mean, he the is red wedding. in every part. You know, and losing him is going is is going to have a big hole in me to have to fill. Well, I will say that it is in the open air. Did we see him die? No, we didn't. You know, it's just one of those things where you have that itch. You've scratched it. The itch is not there anymore. Is the way I feel about it. Uh, you know, when you're in that situation, based on that location, it's going to take a miracle. Which don't get me wrong, it could happen. But uh, I, I feel pretty confident he's toast. Okay. Well, back to the character at hand is Arya, and she heads to a place called Salt Pens, where she gives the coin to the captain. And now this Valor is that Margulis. coin that had special insignia from that uh, mythical assassin earlier. Uh, Jack correct? and Nagar. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The guy had the shift, the, the shape shifter looking faceless fella. man. Wow. That's right. the guy, great part of the show. Great part. Yeah. So she is headed to Bravos. Um, right. All he had to do was show that coin to someone, spout Valamargulis, and they'll take you to Jack and which is in Bravos, we're assuming. We all want to go to Bravos. <laughs> all right, so then we also have Sansa, the older sister. Now, she's with Littlefinger. She just got done watching her aunt fly now, through the moon here, door. My new title, Mini Finger. I mean, she is turning into Littlefinger. The girl's deception at that uh, Lady of the Vale's house was impressive, and I want to applaud... The the girl, uh, what's the what's the actress's name um, for Sansa? God, oh. it's driving me. It's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, her performance spot on. I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, her coming out there and the whole pity of you know he's trying to help me and she he tried to talk her down and she didn't want to live and threw herself through the moon door. I mean, it was money in the bank. I mean, there's been a lot of really great performances, but I think her as an actress on this show has really stepped up and as it's gone along, she's getting better and better and better. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where she's going because, you know, I, where do you go from here? Is she just going to stay in hiding? Is she going to be little fingers, little mistress? Gross. But anyway, anyway, you know, I, that, that right there is what I'm really curious about. And, uh, you know, I'm, I consider pummeling you into figuring it out, but I'm going to wait. So we're going to go from there. Well, that won't do you much good. And her name is Sophie Turner. That's the actress's name that plays Sansa. But I'll go ahead and tell you, pummeling me won't do you any good because we're actually at the end of her story in the book so far. So I don't even know. So it's actually one of the more thrilling, you know, things to look forward to in the new series. Cause yeah, I have, cause no I saw clue. her in the preview 
And so we'll talk about that, you know, probably at the end of the show, but she's going to have something. And so I'm pumped. And if you're telling me there's no literature to where she's going and they have free creative reign, that's money. That's money. I can't wait on. Yeah. It's pretty exciting because, you know, you see that she's uh, dyed her hair black. She's wearing some little sexier clothes. She looks like she's turning into Into a a woman. A manipulator, though. Oh yeah, well, you know, woman. Using looking woman too. Using her talents. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, you. you know, so let's move to Littlefinger, the man. You know, the Decepticon, the Deceptor, whatever you want to say. The guy can get things done behind the lines. You know, uh, I just one of my favorite characters. Um, loved him in the Wire. Love him on this show. You know, he's just he's through and through perfect. And you can't name another actor or another guy who could probably feel what he's done for this show. There's not a more perfect character. And I really, really enjoyed everything. And there's no doubt one of the best things and best lines is is that the only woman I loved was your sister. And then poof. Ah, down the hole, you know. <laughs> yeah, but that's a height of contention because in the book he says cat, which is a big deal uh, to the book readers. You know, we're smug and we like our literature and our TV to match. Yeah, but okay. uh, yeah. but the thing with Littlefinger is really cool is because you got to see the first time he was kind of back on his heels because he wasn't in control of the Sansa situation when she was you know, telling her story. Oh yeah. He was actually a little vulnerable. He was in a spot where this could go sideways and his ass could be out the moon door. Yeah. Because the, the people on there, the, the knights and the, um, the other heads of the veil, they hate like three judges, right? They hate Littlefinger and wanted him gone anyway. But with Sansa's little story kind of protecting him. Of course he was married, you know, the Lady of the Veil, and they have to honor that, you know. Yeah, but they don't want him to have that power. He didn't earn it. You know, he doesn't no. have any of the respect. He for- had one night a bump and grind, and out the door she was. The man had it made. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, it is what it is. My man got what he needed, and he's making it, and now he's got a confidant that realizes she's got to play the game to survive like what he's doing. All right, well, let's move on to Jon Snow. Jon Snow. Johnny, man, I'm so sad that he lost his girl, you know, his one and only, you know, but, you know, at least he's got that really pretty sword he can, you know, play with. Handle. Yeah, he can handle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to tell you the truth, Melisandre was giving him the old, you know, eyes through the fire on that last episode. Yeah. But he is, you know, he's, he's in the middle of a big deal. He's got Stannis and Davos. At his door now, he's got hundred thousand wildings sitting outside and inside the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got Tormund locked up. He's got Mance Raider locked up, and he's got Melisandre to deal with. That he's never come in contact with somebody like her before. So I think John's in a in a precarious situation of you know his vows, his need to protect the wall, but now you got Stannis. He's going to be asking for stuff, and you're going to Melisandre. She's going to want something, you know, she's... Well, you're talking about this dilemma of his, you know, morals and his code and stuff. The man's been breaking all of his vows for the last season. 
I don't see how he has any, you know, objection to doing what he needs to do because, I mean, you think of everything he's done, it's been for a personal reason, in my opinion. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, he always falls back on a lot of those things. But, no. I mean, it was purely survival. I mean, that's what I felt like. I mean, he's banging a chick, he's not at the wall, he's out with the wildlings, he's doing all that stuff. You can't tell me that was all to defend the wall and his honor and his vow. Give me a break. The man was naked. He was in a cave. There was no vow in that cave, okay? No, you're selling him a bit short, I think. I mean, I agree he did break his vows. I think he did love Egret. I think he does agree with some of the principles that Mance and the Wildings have. Oh, so you're telling me he can pick and choose? No, I'm not saying he can pick and choose. I think he did play their survival, but he always had the wall on the back of his mind. And he always had their best interest at heart. You know, when the first opportunity and the first sign that the Wildings were going to kill innocent people and spill their blood for just the hell of it, he took off and took a few arrows from Egret in the process. So he didn't lose his honor, but, you know, he broke a few vows. Yeah, well, I mean... I still say he was doing what he had to do to survive and he was holding on to his vow or his honor and so on, you know, but the reality of it is anybody who challenged it or so on, then a situation would happen. And that wasn't the most important thing, you know, I mean, that's just where he was. It was almost lucky, but I mean, it ended up, you know, working out, but unfortunately he lost his home girl, cave girl, whatever you want to call her. Oh, egret. It's too bad. I really liked her as an actress. I think she did an awesome job. She fit in with that criteria, the wildlings and everything that they did. And uh, I think that's another hole that they're going to have to fill for next year, you know, because it seems like almost every major love interest of this show where two people are amicable and joy, da, 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 the, the show severs one of them. And then we're left with the, you know, the broken hearted or half of a person, you know. I mean, when we get to the Gagarians and everything else, it's just another example, you know. But let's stay with John. Where What else we got to go with here in the north? Well, I mean, where do you see him going from here? Well, all I see is him is intertwined with constant power struggle. And my future of what's going to happen is, is that we haven't seen the White Walkers uh, those gassy looking things. I think they're going to be coming the mix. I'm so, I'm, I'm drawing, I love this line, winter's coming, winter's coming. But the bottom line, I think just think that's when the white walkers are coming, white waters, whatever you want to call them, walkers. walkers. When they are coming, I'm ready for them to join the party. When we've seen the part where they have this mythical castle of ice or like that, and they put the baby in there and turn him into one and all that stuff. But that's it. And we've seen Sam, Big Daddy, heavy set Sam, you know, take his obsidian rock and stab one in the back, you know, and uh, watch it go kabooey, um, you know. But I think when those things come into play, that's going to be the the real deal. I just don't know if the show's going to go there yet. I think uh, that power struggle they have is either going to one of two or three things is going to happen. They're all going to align under one membership because you either have to or fear of death or like that, or it's going to be an internal battle that just spills out and whether there's no clear situation and everybody loses. Or the third, what I'm hoping for is is that 
the new party comes into play and uh, everybody has to decide where you stand to survive, you know. And I mean, that can, I'm not saying if the White Walkers, it could be a situation where they say, well, we're going to go in here to attack. But when they get there, they have different purposes. And so it still becomes a wash. So I don't know. That's the way I look at it, where it's headed. But, you know, we shall see. So you also got Stannis and Melisandre up there. Like, what do you think their motivations are now that they've captured the Wildings and are hold up forward at the wall? Well, I think they're just trying to strengthen their uh, overall military presence, make it known that they are still a contender, and they're trying to raise power while the rest of the areas are faltering. I mean, there's no doubt King's Landing is going downhill, um, Targaryen's far away, and everybody is trying to scratch and claw to own their own, and he's wanting to have the biggest chunk, so it's that much easier to take over everything else and really get his birthright of being king. Okay, but what what do you think about Melisandre? Now, she's given the bedroom eyes to John, and there's always some hint that Stannis might not be, you know, the knight she's looking for or the warrior she wants. Well, yeah, I think I think she's an opportunist. I think she is sees Stannis as an opportunity of gaining power and so on. But that um with the way she looks at John, the way things are going, I think she's always been in search for that one or that next opportunity that's gonna further her in her means and so on. And maybe John's it. I hadn't read a lot into it, you know, for all I see you got Kit there and he's just a handsome looking fella and she ain't scared to get naked with somebody and there it is so you know it could be that simple or it could be like i said there's an opportunity there for something for her to gain right all right well the last two stark kids left alive are bran and rickon now we already know bran and hodor aren't cast for the season so they're not going to be a part of it rickon no one remembers rickon they could recast him as far as we know i know he's with asha she's supposed to be hiding him but we haven't seen them for a whole season. Not mm. even sure they're going to be in this season. Hodor, I miss my man Hodor. That's going to be that's going to be sad that he's not with us this season. But you know, I, my understanding is is that where they left off is where that was the end of his where he was in the book. Was that not right? Yeah, there's a teeny tiny bit left, but nothing interesting enough to keep them into this season. Gotcha. It would be such a little tiny pull. You know, not worth gotcha. not worth gotcha. trying to keep them. Yeah. So let's move on to one of my other favorite characters. We got Brienne. Brienne. Ha, ha, ha. Now she just got through with the, I think, the best fight that's ever happened on Game of Thrones. Well, there's no doubt. Barbaric. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. When that first started happening, I was like, the Hound has dominated anybody and everybody he's come into contact with the show. Unless, the, I mean, you think about it. He was in the barn and we handled four guys, no problem. Yeah, Arya helped out with her little needle and so on. But the reality of it is the guy's a badass. And, and he gets with Brienne and Brienne kind of holds her own. It was impressive. I didn't see any part where she got an advantage on him and he didn't get advantage on him. It was strength for strength, which I have a problem with. You know, I'm not a male chauvinist or sexist or like that. But the guy, the hound, he looks like he's 6'5", 6'6", 
250 pounds of scarred, pissed-off knight, okay? And Brienne's a tall, you know, heifer, but, I mean, and she's bad, and she can swing that sword. I just don't see when those parts where they're swinging those giant blades at each other that it's not knocking her backwards with the amount of force, you know? I played football, and I know all about leverage and them hitting each other and da-da-da. There was just a lot of parts where... You know, when you swing and you make contact, da, 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 I just don't see it just being like a dead standstill like they made it. You know what I mean? I think they I think they did a great job where you saw them where they were pushing and kicking each other and making it where one was above the other and having to defend. And then even the better part is it showed them getting tired. You know, they're both big and strong people, but you could see where they're, they were not as quick. They were getting, you know, not lazier, but weaker during the battle to the final point where eventually one just got, you know, lucky and knocked the other one off and he broke his leg, you know? Um, but it was a great sequence. It was shot. Fantastic. What a scene on the top of these, what I'm guessing is Northern Ireland or somewhere in that area with that moss colored rock. And it was beautiful. It was a perfect way to end my man hound, you know, with a great epic battle course you know and some of those other guys who might say you hate you lost to a woman and you know and down you go but if there was one to lose to Brienne's the one to lose to yeah kind of like with John I think you're underselling her just a bit I mean I think she's powerful I think she's survived this long on her on her skill and her technique I agree that he was probably more powerful but they also made a kind of a not a big deal but that he had been bit in the neck and that he this was true that he was fighting with that a little bit so I don't want to sell Brienne short and say that even on her best day and his best day that she couldn't beat him. But they did put in a little bit that the Hound had a slight handicap and could have been feeling it, you know, like a fever, an infection or something like that. And could have slowed him down a hair bit. But dude's a savage. He, You know, he's gotten out of, you know, tougher ordeals. And she's a beast. I mean, you gotta, you gotta give her all the props. I mean, she is bad to the bone. There's no doubt. I mean, you, you think about it. I mean, this is the same guy who cuts a man literally in half, and then of course he comes back to life, and that, that, that's pretty interesting. But you know, who can replace this warrior in the show? I mean, you know, I, I want to know because you know the show has always had a bad to the bone warrior, you know, or multiples of them, you know. But you know, like the reality of it is, is now we have Brienne. That's it. You know, but Jamie's no longer, he's old want you to hand and the hound's gone mountain. Yeah. You know, he's in rough shape. You know, when we get to him, I mean, where, where, where's our next ultimate warrior? I mean, I mean, the prince is dead. I mean, I can't help it. His head looks like it got popped like a nasty pimple. You know I mean? It just where I'm look, I will still want to see that ultimate warrior. I mean, it was really disappointing to see, um, you know, Drago, you know, and him not make it and the rest of them. I mean, uh, you still need to keep that one guy. I, you, every, you knew whenever he was on screen that it was a good likelihood you were going to see a, a badass take care of business. I agree. So, but moving on, where where do you see Brienne going from here? It looks like she's going to chase down Arya. Well, you know, I mean, she saw she she saw the Stark girl. She was within her grasp. She knows she's close. I think we're gonna see her. 
I mean, we know Arya got onto the boat and was on her way to uh, Bravos. So obviously, Brienne wasn't on the boat, and you don't see her in the distance, you know, cussing or getting mad that she missed the boat or anything else. I think she lost sight of her, doesn't know where she is, and is basically back on the searching hunt and looking for someone else to vow her oath and her her life to. I mean, she's on what her second or third person. I mean. Be honest with you, you really don't want her to vow to you because you're not going to last real long. You're going to get stabbed in the back or you're going to have your throat sliced, you know. So, I mean, uh, love you, Brienne, but uh, you can take allegiance to someone else. All right, well, moving on from her, we got over in Essos, we got Danny. Danny. (laughs) Now, Danny last left us. She was chaining up two of her dragons. Drogon was running wild, you know, she can't keep a chain on him. And she's kind of struggling with, you know, re- responsibilities of being queen and, and ruling. Well, it, any decision she make, she finds the what if or the other side of the coin that has just as much merit. I mean, it's, I mean, that's the one side of being a ruler that, I mean, you have to make tough decisions. You know, you know, you talk about these dragons and they come back with burnt ghosts and children and different things like that. You know, that's a sign of your power, but by putting them away, you know, you lose, you know, you lose that view, that confidence, that, that fear from others. But, I think she's really going to struggle this year. I think it's going to be, you know, when you get too big and you can't, you can't self-manage that. You can't have one person that rules all, you know, there has to be broken down to the levels. And of course she's just got rid of my favorite guy over there. You know, I mean, so she's even one person less that was helping her and maintaining and giving her advice. And so I think, I think this year is going to be tough. I think she's going to be a, big part this year i think you know it's about time that her storyline really maximizes and we pull away from king's landing and we really kind of get to where we're in the deep north and snow and baratheon and all them and we have daenerys and all her stuff i think those are going to be the key parts of this season because those are the parts we yeah we've been hitting and, and you know and doing a lot of stuff with the unsullied and everything else but i really think we're really going to dive into those spend large amount of times per episodes dealing with those characters and really developing those to have that you know the big clashing moments i mean that's where i think it's going Right, I I feel like Danny's kind of spread too thin. I agree. You with know, that. her inner circle is a mixture of you know a motley crew, and like you say, just got rid of one of her best advisors. Even though he was kind of a traitorous guy, he had love and thought of in her best interest. Well, as a viewer, you know he was committed to her, but from her point of view, he's committed the ultimate betrayal. You know, and he's even admitted to it. I mean, so I understand her decision. You know, you just wish that he was able to be more convincing when he uh, was, you know, found out and let know. You know, I think he maybe went a little step far saying that I've loved you. You know, I mean, it's not something that's going to help your case when you're being considered a traitor. You know, I think that's, you know, that's that didn't help his case. I think he was, it was a moment of weakness and, 
unfortunately, I'm really nervous about his future. I'm really, really nervous because I think he's one. Of, I think he's an excellent actor. I think I hate that you know he's going to be exiled. I think it's a really cool shot where you see him on that horse, you know, and the sunset of the in the, in the city in the background. But um, Jorah, man, he just uh, I hate it for him, you know. And judging by the preview when we we're talking a little later, I'm really concerned. Yeah, I, I I really look forward to Danny's situation this time. You know, they've they've moved away from a couple things in the books that made her story really slog and slow down. So I look forward to them kind of amplifying it a bit and move it, and shortening it kind of. Cuz I've I've grown slightly tired of Essos and the slave trade and all those types of things. And when you see when she's trying to rule, she she'll make a decision. Yeah, they're tough decisions, but every one of them seems to kind of bite them in the ass, you know. You know, she frees the slaves. Well, only some of the slaves wanted to be freed. You know, she, you know, she's post up all the masters uh, and crucifies them. Well, that kind of pisses off the sons of the masters, and you know, then you got to kind of get political with them so you don't end up having a bunch of turmoil. You know, trying to you know alter their perceptions on slavery and stuff like that. So it seems like every inch she gives them, they take a mile back. So she's always a step behind, I feel. And I, I feel like that's all going to come to a head this season. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think she is going to be probably the majority of this season. I think she's going to have the, the the heaviest percentage of airtime with her story and things going on. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move up to the north. When we last left the north, we had Ramsey. With Theon Reek at this Reek. point. Um, disgusting. Tough to Half watch. Half of a man. Yeah. Not even that. Yeah. Pretty gross. Yeah. Uh, but Roos. Now, Roos is gaining power. He is probably the slickest and best, I'd say, military mind going right now. I, at least I feel that way. He's the darkest, you know, unwavering character. I mean, he has no moral high ground he just whatever it takes and the fact that he legitimized ramsey after seeing all the horrific shit he's done you know i i feel like he'll go to any measure to get what he wants i mean the level of betrayal and the things he's done underhanded and the promoting of certain people's son the whole nine yards he he is quintessential evil right now so cunning there there is no limit i mean he has definitely shown that there is no moral compass there is nothing that he follows other than uh, his power thirst and control and he's trying i think trying to make a play as a name for you know a ruler down the road you know there was much the way he goes about things i don't know you know the the way they that whole crew and what they've done to theon and reek and i mean it just it's uh it's a heavy manipulator but i will say that last season this was one of the parts i didn't really care for in the show i think the whole theon cutting his junk off making him become reek and doing those things the botch save you know saving him yeah, from his, by sister. his sister and all those things i think that was some of the weaker part of the shows i wasn't a fan i think the guy the actor who plays theon i can't imagine if you're a good actor when you're asked to act a person 
And then that person is asked to act another person that you used to be. I mean, that gets confusing. And I just don't, you know, I think he's doing his best. I think he's making a great attempt and so on. But it's such an implausible request of a person. And then to do it on TV, I mean, where do you even say, wow, that was good or wow, that was great? They're just, there's nothing to compare. It just, it was difficult for me to follow, see, and even really believe, beyond, you know, that situation because he he went from, you know, a, a great speech at Winterfell after, you know, uh, you know, they might take us, we'll go out with the honor, da 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 da. They hit him over the head with the sword, and short later he loses his wang, and now he acts like he's mildly retarded. You know, I mean, it's just it, it you know, brainwash one thing. He looks like he's had holes put in his head, and he acts that way. And uh, I think that's a loss of that character and I don't know how they did it in the book you know but it's just a little extreme he went from Theon to the Hodor version of Theon and it's that's one of the parts I didn't care for well you'd be surprised the book is actually way worse Ramsey is way nastier and Theon is driven way lower I mean to Sleeping with the dogs in the pens with chain around his neck. I mean, he is brutalized beyond anything they showed on TV. I mean, he has... In the book, he's... I think he has total fingers and toes, like seven. Total. They took the rest. <laughs> and they put, they put gloves on him, you know, with fillings in the fingers to make it look like he has full hands. It's brutal. And... Jeez. So, so we're actually all pretty lucky that they didn't try to show everything in the TV version. Well, you know, if they had done that, his what he's doing in the show right now would have been more believable to me. I'm almost, now that you've told me that, I'm disappointed. I mean, I think them, you know, all they did was show him getting a beating and they find a box with his dick in it. I mean, that's it. And then the rest of it is, your name's Reek now. There is no longer Theon. And now, Reek, I need you to play the person who, a man named Theon. I mean, there, yeah, you can tell there was some manipulation. And yeah, he spent some time in a cage and like that. But that severity wasn't as deep as what you just told me. And that level in the book would make sense for the way he's acting on the show now i think that's a gap we missed but it could be a situation where there's just not enough time to show that kind of stuff to get to that level of mental because i think theon or reek i think he is a character that is dwindling away when we have so many other that are blossoming and so uh, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from there right but i like how they the show and the books you know, create redemptive arcs and things like that. So, we, we, you know, we have time to see what could happen with Theon. I mean, he's never been a loved character. He's always been kind of douchey, you know, so from, from day one. Yes, but, there's no doubt. I've never been a Theon fan, you know, and uh, he really didn't exemplify much of what I would call honor in anything he's ever done. I mean, basically, his whole existence of being with the Starks from the get-go explained that he was deemed less than worthy from the get-go. And, I mean, of course, you could say the same things about some other people like Sam and a few others, you know, but they've done redemptive things where Theon's had so many opportunities and failed horribly every time or made grievous mistakes and now committed the ultimate betrayal to the people who took care of him most. 
Right, but I, I do look forward to the fact that he could be a gateway to Roos. I love the actor that and how he's portraying Roos Bolton. Just his monotone, no high emotion, no low emotion, just strict cunning. You know, he's he rules Ramsey with an iron fist, kinda. You know, it's like it's even though it's his bastard, he he, he treats him like a son that you know kind of has a mean streak. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I love you, but man, you, you, you make me look bad sometimes. Yeah. And the fact that he legitimized him towards the end there, you know, could could bring out a different side of Ramsey even. You know, because that's what he's always wanted. He's always wanted to be legitimized. He's always wanted to be a legit Bolton. Mm-hmm. And with Roos, obviously it looks like he wants to take the North. You know, you see them headed to Winterfell at the end of the episode. I mean, that's... That's the stronghold of the North, and maybe he doesn't doesn't want to be controlled by the Lannisters. Maybe he wants to be like the kings of old in the North, where it's like, this is my kingdom. Y'all can have the South, you know? So yeah, I really leave, look- me, leave, leave me alone in my own isolation, my own rule rules. But you know, you got a twisted family when you get your honor and the last name for doing what Homeboy did. That's uh, It's a little much. Who's our next character? Well, the rest of the characters are mainly, you know, side characters. Such side as, characters. You know. Yeah, I think, I think we've hit the high notes of all those people. I think uh, we've definitely seen, I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm a big fan of the guy who plays the mountain. You know, he's a, he's a heck of a world record-breaking lifter and so on. And I hope he actually comes back, you know. I mean, I know they've recast the freaking spot two or three times now, but I think they've hit the nail on the head, and I hope that he becomes part of the show and something more than just a giant savage, uh, even, you know. Well, let's uh, get into that. Like, what what – is your dream scenario for season five? Like, what do you hope to see happen in season five? Doesn't matter the characters, whatever, just storyline in, in general. What do you hope to see? I want to see Daenerys and the dragons and that kingdom come to the other realms and become a part of that intertwined to Westeros. All I've ever seen is them in desert and their own little world on the other side of the sea and there's no every other person in the show in some way or shape or form has interacted with another area and a set of actors and characters and Daenerys's characters and so on the only interaction is contained to her area now given they're they're post they're over there and she's creating her kingdom and her power before they come over but I'm ready to see that that clash of the titans I want to see that we have our queen and her dragons and I want her to come in and become a player when it comes to ultimate power of the of the realm and uh I that's what I'm hoping comes, or the or the White Walkers come into play. You know, I'm ready to see the new threat emerge instead of just the consistency of stabbing backs, uh, power struggle, internal struggle, sibling, you know, and children issues, things of that nature. I'm ready to see go into the true war. Um, and characters that have never met clash. That's what I'm looking forward to. Okay, I, I agree. I, I love when they, 
you know, intertwine characters from different scenarios. And even when they just cross paths for a minute, it's always kind of cool, you know, to see them, their paths collide, you know, and whether even some big happens, you just like seeing them on screen together. Now, I, I do have some book knowledge, and so I know some of the things that are coming up. But the reason I'm really looking forward to this season is the deviations. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll get into some of the trailer talk later, but I'm already aware of some huge deviations that have been made from the book. So I'm extra excited. You know, this is you know, it's strange that we started our podcast on this season where I would have had four seasons to be a smug book reader and could laugh at all your, you know, you know, possibilities and predictions. Predictions that you could come up with. But this year it's all out the window almost. So there are some variables and some unknowns for anyone. Unless oh, you're a producer on the show or an actor, this is gonna be a surprise for you. Absolutely. Last year seeing a White Walker turn a baby into a White Walker is the only thing that we've never seen before. How that, about the that? book, the book readers didn't know about that. Nothing. We had no closure of that on the books. So for that to happen, which was super exciting for me because that's that's all new for me, to this season where they've shifted some characters around and their locations they're headed. I mean, that makes me, you know, really amped for this season. And yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's a remix. It's basically you know you're you know you're the pawn moving to here or there and so on and completing that person's story or vice versa or doing it in a completely new direction, and uh, that's what makes that reader that avid fan of the book either one of two things: love they went that way, or why in the hell are you messing with good literature? You know, and th- and that's a big number. That's a big number of people, the readers, that are like, oh, God, the source material is so good. Why are you fooling with it? But in the past four seasons, they've altered some things from the book that were fantastic. Now, they have faltered in a few areas, you know, like uh, Danny's storyline. You know, there was some, some better stuff in the book. and But then you look at stuff like The Hound and Brienne. They never met and battled in the book. That's total like fan fiction. Who would win, Brienne or the Hound? But they made them cross paths and then fight. Instead, you know, in the books, the Hound takes a bite, you know, a few licks, and just dies in the woods, you know, or is left by Ario to die in the woods, you know. And Brienne has this meandering, searching story that goes nowhere. So. The fact that they changed that and sped up the process was way better on the show. I mean, who I could argue? Yeah, because if they had gone with the book material right there, that would have been highly disappointing. Absolutely. And not to say, I don't want to kill George R. R. Martin's you know, awesome literature, but he over-describes things a lot in the book. He meanders in certain plots a lot. And... And you just can't transfer that to television. Mm-hmm. So what D.B. Weiss and his partner are doing is simplifying the story in certain spots where it needed to be. You know, Now that might break some book readers' hearts, but not mine. I think what they've done so far is fantastic. I think they've accentuated the entertainment value of the source material to produce what I think is the best or top 
two or three shows on television in history. I think it's that good. Oh, it's it's probably my favorite show that's ever come on. Um, and you can nitpick certain little things, but the entertainment value is so high. The quality of acting across the board is fantastic. You can't name a weak actor on the show, in my mind. You know, it, it's just they do a really, really, really good job. And considering the show has so you know multiple directors and multiple uh, production crews working at the same time, to have this level uh, across the board of uh, quality is just a testament to the show, how it's produced, direct, I mean, the whole across the board. And that's why I, th- I consider it one of the best shows on television. All right, now that we got you all pretty much caught up on where season four ended and where we'd like to see it go, we're going to move into a section after the music that it's not spoilers, but some people consider, you know, production notes and casting and stuff from the trailers to be spoilery. So I want to give everybody the opportunity to shut it off now. And if that's the case, we really really appreciate you clicking and giving this show a chance absolutely i think you're really gonna enjoy the show once we get some episodes going and rocking it out and uh, uh really looking forward to how this season's gonna go and hope y'all can really enjoy it and come to it and what do you call it make sure you contact us um we're gonna have it we have an email we have our twitter account we have a few jake what are those connections we got you can email us at bleed tv podcast at gmail.com you can follow us on Twitter at Bleed TV Podcast. And our website should be up and rolling pretty soon, bleedtv.com. Absolutely, absolutely. We're, you know, like I said, this is our first episode and we're working our way into it, but we're pretty excited and we're pretty pumped that you decided to click and listen. And um, I think we're going to wrap that show after the music. We're going to kick right into that uh, production stuff and slightly spoiler esque areas. And if you still want to listen, we're looking forward to it. But other than that, uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, see you later. All right, and we're back. Um, Jake, this is kind of our little slash, you know, neat information, facts, different things. Um, I really did some homework. You know, there's a couple of really good websites out there that I kind of trust that don't have those douchebags that put all the spoiler this and that and so on. The stuff I don't want to know, but it was interesting to know that didn't give me too much about what was coming up in the, episode, you know, the future episodes. And I noticed some of the cool things was some of the locations they were shooting this year. Of course, they're back in Northern Ireland and Belfast, but this year they made the move to Seville, Spain. And according to that, and what you and I have talked about before, this has got to be Dorn, you know, the future Dorn of the show. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. You know, they're kind of using the deserty vibe and then the palace over there to to host as the water gardens is what it's called in the book, uh, which is basically the home of the Martell family. Now, the Martells, and that's... Um, Prince, uh, what's his name? Oh, Prince Oberyn's. Uh, Oberyn's uh, whole crew, right? That's where he's from, right? Correct. His brother is Dorne Martell, who is the Prince of Dorne. Um, and he also has his three daughters, the Sand Snakes. The Sand Snakes. Now, these, are, these are some bad girls, right? Absolutely. Uh, f- 
in the books, you know, they hide how much of a badass they are. They kind of wear nice clothing and stuff, except for one of them, who's a little bit hulkier, you know, bigger girl. Right. But they, they're a little more slick. But but judging from the trailer, they're a little... Oh, yeah. The dude has the bucket on his head, and homegirl takes her whip and, whoosh, you know, and knocks that bucket off. They look like uh, three chicks that uh, menage a trois is not the option. You know, they, they, that's not in the cards unless you're going to end up like Theon or worse. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not seeing worse. it. Yeah. Um, they now the San Diego Comic Con announced the the three actresses that were cast for these spots: um, a Jessica Henwick, uh, Rosabelle Sellers, and Akeisha Castle Hughes are the three girls that were cast for the show. Um, rounding out the Martell family that was cast for this. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, Seville, Spain, all these are announcements for cast members. Dorn's going to be a big player coming in this season. Um, it should think, be pivotal. I mean, it should yeah. be, I mean, you know they're going to want revenge for Oberyn's death. No doubt. Because he was sent there for revenge in the first place for the mountain in Tywin. And the fact that the mountain may still be alive, but Oberyn's dead and there's been no vengeance, you know, they're going to... Yeah, mission not accomplished. Exactly. Um, now, Doran is ran by a young prince that uh, is the child of his older brother. Is that correct? Is, or am I off on that? No, Doran Martell is the older brother, and he has a son named Tristane. Okay, sorry. Gotcha. Now, uh, Toby Sebastian is going to be the cast member who's going to be playing Tristane. Um, and the Prince of Doran, and Doran is going to be the, what was the big hire? Was it Alexander Siddig? I think that's how they pronounce his name. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and he's going to be the older brother. Um, and all those were announced at Comic-Con. And so it's definitely going to be the real deal. Um, some, one of the other locations they mentioned that was being shot and then was kind of found out by accident and kind of led to some of these things is that they were caught short in Cordoba. Um, evidently, the film crew or something like that were using a ancient Roman bridge there, and that bridge is going to be what I believe is the bridge of Volantis is in the in the story in the book. Is that right? Right, and it's kind of a big scene in the book, but I will be really interested to see how they pull off you know that whole scene because there may be some characters omitted and some characters added and things like that that are going to completely alter you know that that plot line so i'm really curious to see how they handle it gotcha gotcha um Another thing that on the production, it was widely known that uh, Martin is wanting this show to go for 10 seasons this year. And the creative crew, uh, you know, David and DB are kind of more kind of keeping it trying for seven. And then it's been that kind of the internal debate that's become publicized this year. What do you think? You think it, you think it's a seven season based on what you know is coming up or do you think it's a 10 season? Well, from what I read, it's actually more the HBO CEO wants it to go 10 seasons just okay. because of the popularity and how well it's made. I mean, obviously, George R. R. Martin would love it to go 10 seasons, too. That's just more popularity for his source material. Of course, that back pocket will get a little better. Absolutely. You know, it can't hurt. Um thing of it is, is 
the last couple books haven't been written yet or haven't been released yet. And Benioff and Weiss, they know the ending. So, you know, they, they from the beginning have thought seven episodes. So if they've already laid out an outline, not seven episodes, seven seasons, they've already laid an outline to make it end and end properly, then I got to assume they're going to stick with the seven season mark. I would love it to go ten seasons, believe me. But I don't want it to drag storylines out over season over season to to where you might lose a little interest in the show. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you there. I'm, it's always difficult to say a great show, it's time to end it. You know what I mean? I'm always that one that's like, oh, you can do a little bit more, you know, da-da-da. But you never want to end the show on a dud year because you just ran out of source material or it's been, like you said, stretched too much. Um, some other interesting things about Dorne uh, based on these things is that, uh, you know, of course you have the Cersei's kids are over there in Dorne, and that's going to be an interesting issue for the next coming up. Um, I know Marcella has been recast as a Nell Tiger Free. Interesting name. Uh, don't know how pivotal that will be, but I know that the big announcement was the High Sparrow, Jonathan Price. Uh, how is the High Sparrow a big deal in the show coming up? He is a big deal. I mean, they're, they're, it looks like they're going to focus on this storyline quite a bit from looking at the trailers. He is um, he's obviously a well-known actor. He's really big in the you know stage you know uh, industry. But he's been in a few movies. You might remember from the Pirates of the Caribbean. He was Keira Knightley's dad, kind of goofy. Um, but he's a fantastic actor. Uh, I like who they chose to play the role. It's a it's a really neat character in the books, and I love to see when they flush it out. Right. Well, you know, and speaking of the preview, I mean, you can definitely see all the scenes and the vast landscapes of the sand, Spanish architecture. Of course, you see the three sand sisters. You see them knock the whip the barrel off the head, and you you see those things, and you even see. Um, uh, Prince Oberyn's mistress or his woman that was with him at King's Landing kind of return and makes that key statement that there will be vengeance. Is she a pivotal player in the future of this show? Well, that's still to be determined because you don't see much more of her. At least I don't remember much more of her in the books. But they may be doing a remix where they make her more pivotal in another person's role. You know, well, you know, one person that was not cast was a Ariana Martel, and uh, is that you know is that a possibility that that could be like a mixture? Absolutely, it could be. I mean, because there's so many characters on the show, but if you read the books, it's unbelievable. It's double, triple the amount of characters you have to remember. So just to consolidate people and use faces that you've already seen and you know are familiar with. I could easily see them using her. Now, my understanding is is that um, some of Martin's books, um, more controversial books, were like he split his cast and characters in separate books, and the production company and you know DB and all them have mixed those things back together for the show. Is that going to continue? Oh, it has to because the books are Feast of Crows and Dance with Dragons, and you know book four Feast of Crows you got say eight of the characters POV chapters 
but you never heard from the other eight characters that would normally have a POV chapter. And then book five, you heard from those other eight, but then you dropped off the last eight from book four. And it was kind of irritating because you really want to know what's going on, but then you find out that all this stuff is going on in parallel in book four and book five. So that's why in these you know, past couple seasons, there's stuff that's come in and out of book three, four, and five, right. and it's all mixed together because those two books, they were definitely not the best books in the, in the series so far. Um, but there were some big moments, you know, but that's, and I think to keep your audience interested, you know, because some of four and five are really slow that, you know, they brought out, Oh, this is a good moment. Let's bring it in. And this is a good moment. Let's bring it in. This moment's a little slow and we got a lot of good moments. We'll push that to the next. Well, then you got to give them credit because the show does a great job with pace. It doesn't bore you to death. I can't think of a single episode last year where I was like, God, Lee, man, that was boring, depressing, or it dragged. Every episode had, uh, you know, really, really ripened, fresh fruit of entertainment every single time. And I think uh, kudos to them for doing that. And I think that's the reason we would love this show and that's why we're podcasting it. Um, you know, if we move on to some of the, the previews, you know, we can break it down into individual, like the Starks. Uh, the the big one to me was uh, the change of uh, Sophie. I mean, we go from the redhead beauty to the black-haired angel of death is what it looked like in the show. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, that preview showed her in the tombs of Winterfell. And that's uh that's not at the lady of the veil that's not there so has she escaped has she fled finger or has finger taken her over there uh, i mean i'm kind of interested to see where they're going with that well i am too like i said the books are you know no help on this so in the trailers you see it what looks like she is in the tombs of winterfell you also see a band of horsemen riding in what looks like the gates of winterfell and they have the uh bird emblems from the veil from the eerie hmm. okay so that would make you assume that maybe she has a armed escort to winterfell Got if that's posse. where if that's where she's from and if that's winterfell's gates they're going into cuz we know winterfell's a burnt husk yeah. but we also know that Roose and Ramsay and Theon were headed that way so that could be you know a clash of characters. So this could be a collision of characters right. that uh, we had never seen before. That we've never seen in the same place. And you know how much that's what I'm talking about. I like that. Um, and then, of course, you know, you, you look at Arya. She's on the boat. In the preview, it shows her go through these set of doors. Now, tell me them doors are black and white. What's the, what's the story with that? Well, it's called the House of Black and White. You know, I'm not going to get too much into what it is or where it is. Um, but you know her motivations. You know why she oh, gave yeah. the coin. She's in Bravo. She's looking for her assassin. We're going to finish that list. You know, and so uh, unfortunately the hound uh, has been scratched off that list. Uh, or he might be still alive. I'm still holding hope, but not really. Um, you know, but that's that's here or there. That's where the show has that opportunity to kind of surprise us and go that route. Um, but, you know, it, you, you really just don't know. Um, I know that Bran, like we said earlier in the show, Bran will not be a part of this season. He's out, and my man Hodor not going to be a part of this. Um, 
you know, Jon Snow seems to be doing everything. If you look at the preview, it looks like he's making a venture towards, um, what's that city called? Um, hard something. Hard home. Hard home. Yeah. Um, that could be that. It could be something. I don't know. What do you, what are your thoughts on that based on that preview? Well, based on the preview, I would I would assume it is home hard home because you see him on a, a boat and it is a place that's accessible by water. Um, on well, this, is it like on this fishing village or something? Kind of like that. Uh, I don't necessarily remember exactly what the place was used for in there, but you also see him uh, talking to Mance about his pride and you know whether he wants to see you know a hundred thousand dead wildings or. You know, hundred thousand wildings, you know, fighting on this side of the wall. Yeah, so maybe they have him in more of a leadership role. You know, I don't know. Uh, it, well, yeah, it, it definitely looked like he was leading. You know, in the scene. Maybe, but they never showed Alistair Thorne die. We don't know what happened to Jano Slint. We know he was hiding in the basement. You know, from the war. Um, so uh, I don't know what kind of power struggle they could put in here because if Alistair's alive. You know, does he, you know, just let John be in charge? It's doubtful. But if he's dead, then maybe there's a power vacuum. You know, I don't know. Right. Well, let's move on to Daenerys. Um, you know, my favorite character on that side is, you know, Jorah. And my man was exiled. And, you know, the, the key thing that sticks out to me is the scene where evidently he's in the gladiator pit uh fighting what looks to be you know i don't know a slave like that basically jorah is russell crowe in his own little outfit in there and that's what the preview is showing is this something that is entertainment is this something that is like he's made a mistake and now he has to fight for his life i'm dying to know where his future lies yeah, I'm a big fan of his character, and i got to be honest, once again, not something where the book's going to help me out. Um, now, is Jorah a big character in the book? I mean, is he a big deal like yes. the show? Yes, he is a major character. He doesn't have POV chapters, but he is a pivotal character. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I mean, like, I, I think that scene is going to be pretty impressive, you know. And I hope he makes it. I hope he's not just, uh, you know, a one and done and dies at the feet of his woman and you know, he loves and never had a chance, but, you know, like that. Uh, I know that one of the casting issues that a lot of people have had some discrepancy about is is that Charles Dance has come out and said that his time on, on this uh, show is not over. And uh, Yeah, I'll... I'm assuming this will be flashbacks and, you know, since they've cast, you know, a few other characters that gives an idea of what they could be flashing back to. Like I said, it could be a situation where they need him to lay into a casket as they towed him onto a boat and hit the flaming arrows or something. It could be something as simple as that. Or do you think he's actually got speaking parts and back to the badass that he is? I can't assume that they would bring him back just to lay in a casket. <laughs> so I got to assume that it's probably a flashback of some kind. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Um, yeah, I know there were some other casting things, um, but out of the Lannister crew, that was one of the biggest ones that I thought. Um, yeah, and I read one or two other things, and I'm not even going to share them because I think they're more of a true spoiler that would, uh, you know, of course it's been out there, but I just don't, I don't even want to go that route. Um, overall, I mean, did you see anything else in that preview of the multiple previews or even those multiple covers for entertainment weekly and all the little snippets and uh, production shots that made you kind of had an inkling of anything the future yes i mean the fact that you see in the trailer you see Tyrion on the front of a boat spot a dragon fly overhead you know is that that... something we're gonna see i mean or or don't i guess you can't spoil it for me but i mean that's a pretty impressive poster but it doesn't look no in the trailer the second trailer they show him on a boat see a dragon fly by not just the poster so that'll be a a pretty badass thing because they didn't explain it very much in the show um but when Tyrion first meets john on his way to the wall they they talk about how much Tyrion's dream was to see a dragon since he was a child now they didn't get to go into it too much on the show but in the books that's a huge thing and that's like a you know like i said books don't help me at all on this but i'm excited to see like his childhood dream come true you know even though he looks a little terrified in the trailer right um there's also you know a couple things um that you don't hear about the casting notes there's a bodyguard in Dorne who is a giant man who in the books totes a massive axe, which he's married to and sleeps with on a 24-7 basis. And man. he's a fun character. I look forward to seeing him. Um, but no, I mean, not just a crazy amount of stuff. I- I'm excited to see John's interaction with the Wildings. Um you know, you got Tormund. Looks like he's fighting with another Wilding in the uh, in the trailer, which would be kind of a departure that I'm not ready to see. You know, or not. I mean, I'm not. You know, knowledgeable about because I really like Tormund as a character. I think he's funny. I think he's kind of a comic relief, but he's also proven badass. So I I look forward to that. Um, but as far as the trailer, I, you know, I don't want to get into too much information on it. I don't want to be accused of breaking into too bad a spoiler territory um but yeah i mean overall i'm just super excited mainly because you know the books are not going to offer much help this season and so everybody's going to get some good surprises and uh i think it's going to be a monumental season absolutely and this is one of those seasons i think where the showrunners and producers are really going to take some creative freedom and run with it, you know? Yeah. I I hope that we really see some groundbreaking stuff. I hope we got some stuff that, you know, controversial creates, you know, a firestorm of feedback and entertainment and so on. And we want to be right in the middle of it. You know, I'm dying to see how things are going to go and really looking forward to April 12th. Uh, As always, I know you are, um, 
But as for spoilers in this little section, I think we can call that a wrap on that. Uh, and just a reminder, guys, we really want this cast to be a fan-driven situation. We don't really we don't go by an outline. We're going to have some basic things we're going to hit every time. We're going to try to analyze the show, talk about it. But do realize we're going to talk about it at the point of us being fans. We're not going to criticize every little minute, every little detail. We enjoy the show. We don't enjoy criticizing every detail or so on. I don't really think they give us enough to criticize because i mean their stuff is that high quality but please contact us um at our email our twitter our facebook um you know and hit us up you know let us know what you think of the show things you'd like to hear things you want to try to break down we're gonna we're gonna give y'all props we're gonna let you know uh what your feedback is on the show and uh try to answer the questions do what we can and uh be respective to the show and the fans in the process um but yeah hit us up bro what's the email what's our connections one more time before we wrap it up yeah one more time we can hit us at bleed tv podcast at gmail.com uh at believe tv at bleed tv podcast on twitter um facebook.com slash bleed tv podcast and like i said our website should be up soon and do me a favor please when you send in your feedback um if it's anything spoilery on it which i don't mind reading i like to you know move it into a section at the end of the episodes but put it in your header that it's a spoiler because I don't want Zach to read it and, you know, ruin his season, you know, because we're just trying to, you know, talk about some spoiler stuff. Um, just be as respectful as you can on the Facebook and the Twitter forums and stuff like that because I plan on talking a lot on them. And um, I really look forward to interacting and creating a community with you guys. Absolutely, no doubt. Well, guys, we will uh, have our next cast uh, the, probably the day right after the show uh, on April 12th. And uh, hope you continue listening. Uh, until then, uh, I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. And we'll see you then.